This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Carl Hess, Interim CEO of Texas Health Aetna. Carl, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Laura. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about what you're doing at Texas Health Aetna and some of the big trends you're following Healthcare Day. Um, So we'll dive right into the discussion. How is Texas Health Aetna thinking about business growth, especially amid the recent COVID-19 surges? Good question is something we and I think about uh, every day, Laura, as you can as you can probably imagine. Um, we're a bit of a unique entity in that we, uh, we're a, a four-year-old health plan, commercial health plan, that is really a result of a partnership, a 50-50 joint uh, ownership between Texas Health Resources, one of the large IDNs here in North Texas, and as you uh, might guess, Aetna CVS. Um, we were originally a, a partner only with Aetna, but um, CBS then was acquired in, in 2018 after our formation and starting. And so um, our perspective in the local market is a bit unique because of that. But we're really um, focused on keeping our our members and people safe and meeting meeting them wherever they they are and would like to be met with regard to their personal preferences and where and how they'd like to receive care. So we've, you know, seen utilization kick down a bit recently and some of our North Texas providers choosing to pause most uh, or all scheduled surgeries here in North Texas, um, as our governor has kind of asked providers to do, then we're putting considerable time and effort into things like a robust vaccine information and hesitancy campaign. We've gathered together uh, all of our assets and behavioral and mental health resources in one place uh, on our website from both of our parent organizations, Texas Health Resources and Edna CVS, as well as our own. And um, we provided that via a series of informational uh, snippets and links on a featured page. And that may sound simple, but even that effort took a a cross-functional team of experts uh, and stakeholders and mental and behavioral health um, positions of leadership several months to design and, and structure it over time. Um, we've also been building out our as have so many other both payer and provider organizations as well as a lot of startups uh, in the space and we we source those internally and via our partners and so we have a portfolio of telemedicine remote monitoring specialist consults for our telemedicine providers, text-based triage for virtual and in-person care, um, certain types of in-home diagnostics, and we have house calls and home-based urgent care available to our members as as some of those capabilities. We've uh, also been working on integrating local CVS health resources for our membership, um, particularly minute clinics and health hubs for no and low-cost services here in the area. And uh, and subsequently to be able to share data with our provider network from those visits. Um, one of our kind of competitive advantages over time, I believe. We've also been diligently working in the local community to support efforts to combat food insecurity and in local food deserts. Um, we're doubling down on diabetes and chronic kidney disease in particular, as well as some other chronic conditions, utilizing our care managers to outreach and, and coach and focusing on our members uh, that fall into the rising risk category, especially during the pandemic. Um, we've also been looking to add our existing to our existing portfolio of products and services, and we were launching our version, the THA version of the Aetna Connected Plan this fall. Uh, 
which provides some additional um, services and benefits on the CVS health side. And then we're also evaluating launching an ACA marketplace offering or set of offerings for, for 2023. And then uh, one of the final aspects would really be working with some of our customers on their return to work strategies. But that had largely been um, upended over the last month or so by that, the Delta variant. And uh, of course, we we are really uh, efforting to help build not only uh, Texas Health Aetna's capabilities, but also our, adding to our story and our value proposition substantially um, for our sponsors and, and brokers and working diligently on kind of the blocking and tackling and improvement uh, and nurturing of those relationships. So we think all of those uh, are compelling you know, um, aspects of a growth story and for both now and the future and, and uh, will result in growth over time. That's really interesting to hear, Carl. Thank you so much for going through all that with us. It sounds like you're really busy there at Texas Health Aetna and have a lot of great initiatives going on. I'm thinking, especially looking at some of the uh, outreach on the COVID vaccine hesitancy and then the other things that you're doing to connect with members. Is there any method of connection that you found um, more beneficial than others? Absolutely. Number one is always direct outreach, um, typically telephonically and then also um, video based, uh, you know, uh, visits as well. So um, when we are care managers are reaching out, typically they'll utilize text or, or um, uh, telephonic uh, connection and outreach uh, first. And then we also want to follow our members you know, preferences for for outreach and communication as well and certainly strive to do that and and. Uh, uh, to stay compliant on that front. And then, uh, you know, some of those those conversations are facilitated just by the ability to data share. And that was a, another kind of um, um, key element of my aims and objectives in coming into this role is to determine uh, where we're at in terms of interoperability across our network, our provider network, as well as our partners. And um, here locally in particular, what can we do to augment those data sharing capabilities and uh, what does that mean for our member services, uh, our member service, and um, you know various aspects of that member experience? Got it. That makes a ton of sense. Now, what technology and applications are most interesting to you right now? Well, I'm a big proponent and, and a longtime proponent of interoperability. And particularly as we have a fairly complex set of provider retail and partner relationships here locally, but I guess uh, who doesn't these days? Um, given my background and in, in, in kind of traditional focus on, on technology, one of my first aims, as I, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, coming into this role is really to, to identify and understand existing data sharing and interoperability capabilities and existing connections and, and really subsequently to prioritize what was nice to have versus must have for the future, including the, you know, the as we've seen, um, come into the fore and into consideration in over the last few months, the interoperability and transparency mandates uh, from from uh, a compliance standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint. So um, we've been leveraging Epic's considerable footprint across our provider network. And you may or may not know that, that both the mini clinics and health hubs utilize Epic as their EMR system of record as well. And so that certainly helps, um, but it doesn't get us to where we need to be uh, on its own. So, for example, even if it is possible for a member's um, primary care physician to pull a record of that person's visit to a health hub, and it is, but that physician still has to know that that's an option and to be educated and made aware that they can do this. So, 
we're relatively small as a payer. And so another big focus of mine is how to automate what we already are doing and need to do uh, in the future. So business process automation, particularly for such things as analytics, um, risk understanding, and some aspects of engagement and outreach uh, as examples, and leveraging technologies such as uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, natural language processing, and, and chatbots. And so we have either pilots or um, aspects or existing programs, services that leverage one aspect of some of those existing, those new technologies, those emerging technologies. Got it. That's fascinating to hear. And obviously so important to see how that digital transformation is happening on the payer side as well. Now, I know another aspect of healthcare that's really come into the forefront in the past year is looking at value-based care. How do you anticipate Texas Health Aetna will evolve in the value-based care environment? Another uh, focus of mine in particular, and in an area of interest, you know, I've, I've, I've some time in the past, I've worked in taking full risk for some um, high risk and high cost populations, namely Medicare, Medicaid, uh, CHIP, and dual eligibles. And uh, accordingly, you have to have a very robust set of population health management capabilities, but you also have to have the interoperability aspect and to be able to suss and, and leverage as much actionable data as you possibly can to provide that care downstream. And so, you know, I'd say that there's, we have a fairly unique environment here in, in, in Texas and North Texas in particular, where the provider community has a lot of power through um, the Texas Medical Association and has been a, a bit slow to adopt some of the, the value-based care strategies and capabilities. So risk sharing and, and payer provider partnerships uh, and things of the like. And that might be more common elsewhere in the U.S. Um, our, our, our North Texas physicians are, have been fairly happy, I think, with either fee-for-service or fee-for-value over time. Um, but that said, one of our strategies here in the local market has been to identify and work with and through um, partners that can help bridge some of those traditional gaps between payers and providers. For example, working on pregnancy risk reduction and maternal health in a collaborative fashion. In, in establishing some value-based metrics accordingly, or via an innovative, up-and-coming, holistic specialty oncology practice and, and working with them to, to have our members not only be made aware of some of those, those capabilities when they are faced with that, that terrible cancer diagnosis, um, but also um, to look for those innovative you know, partners that are really focused on value-based care and uh, getting those types of agreements in place and have some experience with that, a track record, and some means, you know, have, have had some success uh, in lowering cost and risk uh, in particular populations. So we need to find creative means and solutions to generate that requisite uh, alignment between payers and providers. Um, as you well know, Laura, that's not always an easy task, but it is a very worthwhile one, and it's one I think that uh, we are, as an industry, we're facing more and more uh, as, as time goes on. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And, and thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, I have one more question. Where is the best opportunity to support members over the next decade or so? Well, I think with some of the mandates we're seeing, you know, come down from, from the government and from CMS that, you know, uh, interoperability, price transparency, quality, we all have, you know, the potential to, to move the needle uh, move the dial forward in a positive fashion on those aspects. And so we're working diligently on, on those 
kind of uh, elements of the member experience, we're also looking to reduce friction um, where, where we can in the member experience and then the member journey. Um, we've all experienced uh, friction of one sort or another in seeking and getting care. And so we're, we're looking, and of course, um, let alone with all the things that happen downstream of the event. So for example, billing payment, uh, any follow-ups or um, medication and care plan adherence, et cetera. So you know, a complex set of activities. And we're looking to, again, reduce the friction there, improve the member experience, uh, improve the information and education and awareness of our members. That's really key, I think, to any success, um, particularly from a health plan. Um, coming into this role, I did a lot of, you know, uh, reading and, and with some projects that I've had with other large payers over the last couple of years, um, I've done a lot of reading about that member experience aspect, and certainly there's there's room across the board to to improve upon that. Um, uh, healthcare is very complex. Our U.S. healthcare literacy is not so great, and we have a we have a lot of you know a uh, lot of uh, room to improve across those aspects. And so that's a big focus of our our, our website and our member outreach and communications, keeping it simple. Um, describing things in simple terms and making things as simple as possible in a complex environment. Well, Carl, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really insightful discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. I'm very happy to have had the chance to, to, to speak with you today, Laura, and likewise, look forward.